How many times have you been in a conversation and the other person says or does something unexpected or hostile, and you think to yourself, "Where did that come from?" In fact, you might have thought that very thing about yourself. We might think that frustration, anger, confusion, or other emotions that block productive conversations come out of nowhere, but the truth is that they always come from somewhere. Our question this episode: What influences our capacity for connection with others besides what we say and how we say it? Welcome to episode fifty-four of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilo. I have become、um, a rather rabid consumer of podcasts in the past year or so. Despite having had a podcast since 2010,、um, the one that was called "The Introvert Entrepreneur," I rarely listen to podcasts myself. I love doing it, but I'm not a particularly auditory learner. But I'm trying to stretch myself, and I realized I was missing out on a lot of fantastic content by not tapping into the full library of podcasts out there. One of my favorite podcasters has a long-form podcast that、um, doesn't seem to go on a regular schedule.、Um, it's more or less once a week, maybe once every. Ten to fourteen days, and I would consider it long form、um, in that it's usually about an hour to even an hour and a half. And he does the entire podcast, as far as I can tell, without a script. <laughs> it's like flying without a net.、Um, I can tell that he's probably has some talking points, you know, maybe some some sketches in his notebook. But I know because I also have seen him speak that he has this remarkable ability to just. Expand on his thoughts in a way that is, I'm sure, very thoughtful, but comes across as very、uh, spontaneous. And that's one of these skills that I've been wanting to work on. So, for most of my podcasting time, I have stuck to a script. And that is mostly to avoid rambling, like I might be doing now, <laughs> or、uh, going off topic, or losing my train of thought. And because I'm an introvert, and I do best if I am able to look at something that's perhaps written down, as opposed to completely being extemporaneous. So this podcast, I'm going to try something different. I have some talking points. I have a little bit of script, but this time I'm just going to try to, you know, speak from the heart instead of the things that I've written down in advance. So thank you for giving me some latitude as I attempt to stretch my skills. So today's topic came up while I was preparing for a communications training that I'm delivering next week for staff members of the city of Muskegon, where I'm a resident here in、um, West Michigan. And as I worked on the presentation, it occurred to me that while the information was initially applicable to government employees, the main points are useful really to anyone who wants to be a more conscious communicator, especially in situations where there are power differences. So, my goal in sharing this information with you is to raise your awareness of the perspectives that each and every one of us brings to our relationships, and in particular to the conflicts in our lives. I'm calling this an anatomy of an interaction because it's useful to look at a moment in time, and that moment is when a conversation becomes tense or upsetting or unproductive. It's helpful to look at that moment as a system. 
This is my definition of a system, just for purposes of this podcast. A system is a network of independent elements that are interdependent and interconnected with one another. Working together, they produce an outcome that none of the elements could achieve on their own. In a system, every element has an influence on the other. And sometimes that influence is barely noticeable, and sometimes it is earth-shattering. And if we think of all the systems that we have in our lives, they're, they're actually everywhere. Your car is a type of system. Your body is a system. Your family, your place of work, and your community, those are all systems of independent parts that come together to produce an outcome that they couldn't achieve on their own. The more we recognize that everything is connected and influenced by every other thing, my belief is that we'll have more empathy and cooperation with one another. And so using that definition, a conflict can be looked at as a system, or a conflict moment can be looked at as a system. Two or more independent people that come together to discuss a topic of importance, and a positive outcome is reliant on those people acknowledging the interdependence and the interconnectedness that they share. In this case, the elements go beyond the people, and they start to include the environment as well as the topic of conversation. So we're going to look at an anatomy of an interaction where there are power differences. That's how I was framing it for the city training. But it doesn't matter if it's a public meeting that you're at, or you're on the phone, or you encounter somebody on the street or in your office. There are particular considerations and power dynamics that we always need to be aware of. And I'll place a little caveat on this. These are my own observations and speculations. They're not necessarily based on science or research, but on everyday interactions that I participate in and witness with my coaching clients, in mediations I've been lucky to be part of, and in the broader communities that I live. The ideas aren't fully fleshed out yet, and part of refining them is sharing them with you. So thank you also, besides being part of my skill stretching with uh, talking a little bit more off the cuff, thank you for also being part of my idea processing. And I hope that we both learn something new along the way. So let's break down this anatomy of an interaction. As far as I can see it, there are at least four different elements present that influence the direction of a conversation. First, of course, there's you. There are the things that you bring to the conversation that only you hold, such as your knowledge. You might be the authority figure in the conversation. You might be the teacher, the parent, the boss, the official, the politician, whatever it might be. And typically, if you're in some sort of position of authority like that, you have more knowledge than the other person, unless they are a peer. And even if they're a peer of yours, you have different knowledge. So one of the things that influences how a conversation goes and the energy of it is whatever knowledge or experience you're bringing to it. Of course, there are your values, what you hold dear. And if they resonate with the other person, that's going to lead to one kind of conversation. If there's a dissonance, then that's more likely to be a catalyst for some of that conflict. 
Along the lines of the authority piece, there's also your privilege that you're bringing. You're bringing your gender, your race, your position as a member of the dominant group in whatever setting you're in. I don't want to say that um, the dominant group is always going to be, you know, uh, white cis male figures, because whoever makes up that dominant group might change depending on the setting. I have been in rooms where I was perhaps the only female or the only white person. And in that case, I am not a member of the dominant group. There's also your mood (laughs) that you bring to it. Um, Apart from any of these objective uh, characteristics that we've just been talking about, there's the subjective of, am I tired? Am I angry? Am I upset? Am I hungry? Um, Am I hangry? Hungry and angry. And there's another uh, expression that we always want to try to avoid when we know we're going to be in a challenging conversation, and that is HALT, H-A-L-T. Don't ever get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. (laughs) There's also, along these lines, where you are, where you just came from, and where you're going. And by that, I mean both physically and emotionally. You know, did I just come from a stressful situation? Am I on my way to one that I anticipate will be stressful? Or maybe I'm headed to one that's going to be happy, or I just came from a really happy situation. All of those need to be considered. And then there's also where you are physically, where you just came from and where you're going. Are you in your car? Are you in a public place? Um, That sort of thing. And I'll mention more about that in just a moment. But those are all things that you carry that the other person has no idea about unless you tell them. So to be aware that those are influences in how you're showing up, and they probably are being communicated on a nonverbal level to the other person, whether or not you explicitly say it or not. There's a great quote from Fred Rogers that says, who we are in the present includes who we were in the past. That basically sums up this idea that Whatever we, you know, might think we are in the moment, it includes everything that happened before, both the good and the challenging, and that it's good to be conscious and remember that. The second element that we bring into a conversation is the other person. That's the other piece of the system. It's their knowledge and understanding or lack of knowledge or lack of understanding. And the same with us, especially if there's an authority difference That other person, like if you're the person in authority, that other person may have a perceived lack of authority or an inflated sense of authority or privilege. For instance, when we're talking about the government, it's possible that an inflated sense of authority might sound like, you work for me, my taxes pay your salary. That might be true, but it's leveraging something that um, is not necessarily going to move your argument along because that employee doesn't just work for you. They work for the community and they work for the policies and the laws and um, the, uh, the people that are elected officials. And so if not framed properly, that can come across as an entitlement. And that's something that if we're bringing that into the conversation, can, again, drive that wedge. It's okay to acknowledge that, you know, there's something about what you do that makes the other person's work possible, or that they have some dependence on you. But the truth is, you're interdependent, and to keep that in mind. And with the other person, they're also bringing their mood, where they came from, where they are, where they're going. They're bringing 
all of that into the conversation. Everything that's happened to them in their lives is being carried into the conversation. Again, in the case of government, and this could be true if you are an authority figure in a school or in an organization or corporation or a church, that person could be looking at you and saying, you know, in their mind, you represent an uncaring, monolithic bureaucracy that only cares about power and pet projects and policies. Because of that, they are going to come into the conversation with a particular mindset. And sometimes you might be coming into the conversation with that mindset if the roles are reversed. And that is something that you need to be aware of. And you also, just like you need to be aware for yourself, remember that the other person is bringing in elements of gender, race, their position as a member or not being a member of the dominant group in whatever setting you're in. So two of the four elements that come into a conversation and influence it are you, the other person, and then there's the issue. That's the third. How short or long term the issue is. Has it been going on for a while or is it circumstantial? Is it something that's never happened before and might never happen again? And if it's happened before, part of what you're carrying in is how was it resolved or not the last time? Whether or not I am feeling optimistic or pessimistic depends on my past experience with the issue. And again, that goes for both sides. It doesn't matter if you're the person in authority or you're the person who is confronting that person in authority. Whether or not the issue has happened before and how it was handled is going to have a huge impact on the direction of the conversation that you have. There's also, you know, whether or not it's a charged issue for that person. For instance, money is often a very charged topic. It's something that a lot of us have some baggage around. And there are other values that might be activated unproductively because the person perceives a threat. So those might be independence, progress, comfort or security, safety, a sense of community, their status. If any of those things feel threatened, and the issue is highlighting them, then that's another element in the system. That's another piece of the puzzle to be considered. And the fourth is the environment. And I've already alluded to this a few minutes ago, but the environment is whether you're in a public place, whether you are talking in private, or if there's an audience, or there are witnesses, and whether or not those witnesses know you, or they're friends, or they're strangers. There's also considering, are you on the phone? Are you in person? Is this over social media? Is it email? Are you on your turf or their turf? Is the interaction planned or spontaneous? All of those are different environments that create a very particular container or stage that the interaction plays out on. And that can have a strong influence on the energy and the outcome of that interaction. It can play a strong role in whether or not the interaction is productive. And it's probably one of the pieces that you have the most power to change. You can do some self-regulation and self-management for yourself. You can attempt to empathize and connect with the other person so that if there's any tension, you can de-escalate it. The issue is the issue, and you can work on framing it and listening and trying to be present for it and take into consideration the past experiences, but you can't necessarily change the issue. 
the one thing you do have control over is your environment and often changing the container, taking it from phone to in person, taking it off social media and moving it to email or in person, taking it from public to private. All of those things can help make a difference in the productivity of that interaction. So my call to action for you is to notice what else is present, both spoken and unspoken, in the interactions that you have, especially those that are challenging. Stop and think about it as a system. What are the parts of the system that you are witnessing? Who or what else is in the space? What could be underneath someone's or your own emotional reaction? What else could be going on for that person? What else could be going on for you? What do you need to acknowledge in order to move forward? In terms of the acknowledgement, that might be that this is not the time or the place that's conducive to a good conversation and you need to move it elsewhere. It could be related to your mood or your physical state that you're tired or you're feeling unprepared or you're in a hurry. Naming and saying those things aloud can act as something of a clearing and it can help you to be calmer and more present and it can help perhaps disarm the other person because by naming those things, you're showing some vulnerability. And as you become more aware of the contributing factors to the conflict, use that awareness to become curious. One of my favorite quotes these days comes from um, Shannon Adler, and she writes, Most misunderstandings in the world could be avoided if people would simply take the time to ask, what else could this mean? So take the time to ask, what else could this mean? By considering the conversation itself as a system and noticing all of those moving parts, you're able to take a step back and get curious, asking yourself, what else could this mean? It's a really simple, but I think it's a pretty brilliant question that has the potential to help us de-escalate tense situations and press the reset button in our minds. If whatever system that you're part of, whether that's at work, your community, your church, or your school, would benefit from an interactive training that teaches you how to have more productive conversations and healthier conflict, I would love to explore that with you. If you'd like to learn more, you can send me a quick email at beth at howcanisaythis.com, or you can go to my website and complete the contact form. And of course, the website is howcanisaythis.com. And I want to emphasize that contacting me does not obligate you to anything. It just gets us connected so we can have a conversation about what you're looking for and if we're a good fit for one another. And if we're not a good fit, one of the things I love is being able to refer people to other resources, whether that's another consultant or coach or something online or a video. So, you know, please see it as a chance to have additional resources as well as potentially start a partnership. And I really hope you'll share this episode with any friends, family members, or colleagues that you think might find it interesting. I really appreciate your reviews and ratings on whatever platform you find this podcast. And I invite you to subscribe and come back for future episodes. This is Beth Velo, and you have been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for going with me on the journey of trying to speak a little bit more extemporaneously, as well as offer some thoughts that are still in the germination process, but will become more and more articulate over time. (laughs) 
and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.